Good evening, TDM listeners. Welcome to this weekend interview. I am your host, Anthony Drago. It is 8 p.m. Eastern Time. It is 9 p.m. in Dominica and Eastern Caribbean. Welcome to this week in interview. I hope you had a, a beautiful week. Um, this week we had we celebrated um, International Women's Day. So all um, I listeners of the Fiero Sex, I want to say I hope you had a wonderful day and a beautiful week. Uh, tonight we are going to be talking about some serious issues, which we usually do on this weekend interview. Although we, we know how to have fun, and when it's festivities time, we are able to, to let our hair down, so to speak, and to get involved in the festivities. Tonight we're going to be speaking um, something serious and something grave. We're going to have special guests joining us tonight. And our topic tonight, we're going to be addressing the safety of our children. So, the, especially, we, we use um, certain incidences in Dominica as our point of reference. But of course, when we speak about the protection of our children, we are addressing the situation all over the world. It's just need global. So, welcome to this week's interview. If this is your first time joining us, I want to say welcome. I want to say hearty welcome to you. This is your first time joining us. Um, we hope you have a good time that you will become a regular listener to this weekend interview. If uh, you're a regular listener, welcome back. Uh, we, we, we don't take your, your participation and your presence for granted. We, we know that time is, is critical and so we appreciate the fact that you make us part of your of your weekly schedule wednesday night at 8 p.m you join this weekend interview our objective at this weekend interview is to have conversations with persons of interest whether they're interested because of their life experiences because of their um their qualifications because of what they do we we identify those people sometimes you um tell us that this would be a good person to bring on the show and we explore it and we and we bring them on the show, and I have the privilege, the distinct honor to have conversations with these persons who are so accomplished, and I am delighted to share those conversations with you. So, before we launch into the show, though, um, as you know, every time we play the show, I start the show by, by, by listening to the Karakam Anthem, because one of the themes that I am beholden to, I, I push um, with tremendous vigor, is the concept of Caribbean unity. And so I always play the Caricom Anthem to start us off. So let's listen to the beautiful Mikkel Henderson singing the Caricom Anthem. And when we come back, we are going to uh, share some information, have a, a spirited, a very live conversation um, concerning the protection of, of juveniles, protection of children, and uh, in general, the respect for humanity. We'll be right back. You know, there are many choices when it comes to domain registration, web hosting, and dedicated servers. But I have to tell you about Jocko Hosting. They're simply the best. With their 99.9% .9 uptime guarantee, 24-7 sales and support teams, you'll never have to worry. Get in touch with them today. They offer plenty of other products and services like SSL certificates, managed WordPress, and more. Call or click today, 480-624-2500. Jocko.com. That's J-A-C-H-Q-O dot com. We're back live listeners. Thank you for staying with us for the break. 
as we said before the break, uh, tonight our, our we're going to have a special guest. Our topic for discussion is in general the the whole idea ar- um, around um, child child abuse, um, sexual abuse of children, and other types of abuses. Uh, about two weeks ago, uh, a report was released by the, by the Ministry of Community Affairs in Dominica, and the report indicated that during 2015 almost 200 children were abused in in dominica and although that might sound as as a small number but considering our population that is pretty alarming and out of those um nearly 200 um kids who were abused and they were between the ages of zero (laughs) zero and ten years old uh, or more than half Almost two-thirds of them, of those abuses, were sexual in nature. And so we at TDN Radio, me at This Week in Interview, I, I were very, very, very concerned about the whole um, specter of, of child abuse. And, and child abuse, I guess, goes pretty closely hand in hand with um, abuse of women, domestic abuse. And just in general, abuse of vulnerable groups, and and when as if as if that wasn't um, disgusting bad enough, uh, last week we started hearing noises. We started hearing reports of um, certain uh, men, businessmen, uh, members of of government leaders, uh, are being associated with rumors. Of, of, of having sexual adventures with underage girls. And um, subsequently, um, although everybody is, is entitled to be innocent until, until proven guilty, we've had resignation, at least two resignations, we've had three arrests of, of leaders. And so uh, I'm looking out at this landscape. I, I decided that this was a sufficiently important a sufficiently grave situation that we that warranted our attention. It, 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 it needed the attention of every every body. We we have to to try to explore what the cause of those of those of those incidences are. Try to understand them and and to see what we can do to prevent them going forward. I know it's very easy to say you know just be harsh, uh, meet out harsh punishments. And, and 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 so on but but um it would be nice if we could prevent or minimize that the incidents instead of just waiting and then and then punishing so that's that's one of the reasons why um tonight uh we invited back on this weekend interview dr saint-jean dr peter saint-jean who is a criminologist a sociologist and um, he's also uh, made a, a, a film, a documentary film or two. He, he, has, he earned his PhD from the Department of Sociology at the University of Chicago. Uh, and, um, and an MA in Criminology from Simon Fraser University in Canada. And a BA and BS degree in English and Criminal Justice from St. John's University in New York. He is the founder and executive director of Peaceful World Movement. 
and the founder and CEO of Quality of Life Associates. And Dr. Seja is no is no stranger to this. We can interview. He's been he's our go-to person on matters of social issues. We brought him on to try to understand uh, our relationship of the community with the police. So before we go any much further, let us give a warm welcome back um, to Dr. Peter Seja. Dr. Seja, it's always a delight to to have you on this weekend interview. So welcome back. Thank you, Anthony. It's a pleasure to be here as well and, and to have uh, 15 of my students here in the juvenile justice course here at North Park University in, on the north side of Chicago uh, participate in this, this discussion as well. That works very, very well. Rodney. Pastor Rodney has joined us. Welcome, Pastor Rodney. We're just in the process of introducing um, Dr. Senja. And Dr. Senja has given us the excited news that um, he's actually in class because he's a He's a, he's a lecturer at North Park University in, um, in, in Chicago, Illinois, and he has a live class of young students who are studying criminal justice. And so they are going to be part, part of, the, of the program tonight. And, and, we, so, and so we're very excited that that's we're getting a little, somebody will get some feedback. Um, Pastor Rodney, do you have, um, are you listening to the radio as well? No, I turned it off. I turned it off. Okay. All right. So we'll get that. So that seems to have taken care of it. So, so uh, we we are very excited about the discussion because we're actually going to um. Doctor Dr. says on your side, yes, we're getting a little bit of feedback. So see if you turn on a speaker or, or something on your side, you get a little bit of feedback. Okay, but um. On my side. Dr. Sejal, let me let me jump to you and um, ask you to to introduce yourself to our new listeners who who may not have been here when you were listening when you were here last, and and just give us a, a general um, your impressions about the whole concept of um, of child abuse protection of of of, of um, vulnerable populations. And um, just if you want to speak specifically to what is going on in Dominica, you may as well. Yeah, well, well, Anthony, um, Anthony, as I have, uh, as uh, again, thank you for the opportunity to interview. But what I really want to do, one of the main things I want to put in context uh, tonight is to is to be able to identify the fact that. The issue that the issues that we see with crime and violence uh, in the community is one that is a general trend. That is a general trend. It is something that is um, a part of. It appears to be a part of Caribbean culture. For example, I would like you to know that. Amnesty International in 2008 finds that in in, 2000, in 2004, this, in 2008 they indicated that in 2004, 70% of all reported sexual assaults in Jamaica were committed against girls rather than women. And you might be surprised to know that Latin America, Latin America and the Caribbean is the region in the world with the highest proportion of adolescent female who claim to have had sexual debut before age 15. That is 22% of the young 
persons report in, in Latin America and the Caribbean indicated that they had uh, the, the first, sex, first sexual encounter before the age of, of 13, the highest in the world, as reported by the 2012 UNDP report that Anthony Harry and others at the uh, at Mona campus of the University of the West Indies uh, 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 indicated. It, it, it's also true that the Caribbean region has the, it is, again, it is number one for the earliest onset of the initiation of sex among young persons under the age of 15. So, and in fact, some of those, uh, uh, the, the, the Pan-American Health Organization found uh, that in, in 2003 and, and the World Bank that the age of, of first intercourse sometimes was as low as 10 years or even younger. And almost two-thirds of the respondents that, rep that responded to their survey recorded, uh, recorded sexual interactions before the age of 13. So what we're really, we really seeing here is, is a really, uh, what we see that is the alleged sex, um, sexual abuse or the alleged inappropriate sexual encounters that have been reported in Dominica recently is part of a long tale and a long history of the early interference with young children, especially young girls, in the Caribbean and Latin American culture. And it is something that we have to deal with on the local level, what we have to understand in context of the Caribbean in general. Uh, certainly. Um, we, we, we hear the statistics and we, we hear it coming from the region that we identify with and it, 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 it saddens us. And so the, we have to find a way, we have to find a way to be able to, to address them. The, uh, Pastor Rodney, let me welcome you to the, to the discussion. You, you reside in Dominica, you are the leader of the Truth and Grace Fellowship Global. So let me let me tell you a, a hearty welcome. Welcome back. You also is a regular on this interview. But before we go before we go forward, um, we're getting a little bit of a feedback. Um, Doctor Sanjay, I know you. I know you have to have us on speaker so the students can hear. But uh, uh, is it is it somewhere we can move the mic a little further away from the speaker? Okay. What what I may have to do? I may have to different room and uh, and. Uh, Right, and, and, and when you come the question and answer, maybe we can um, we can work something out at that time. Yeah, when we get the question and answer, we can yeah. we can do that. Because we're getting a lot, okay. a lot of so feedback yeah, coming back. For so it's, it's it's much it should be much better now, right? Is that much better now? Okay. All right. Um, All right. Go ahead. I'll listen online. Pastor Rodney. Pastor yes, Rodney, you yes, there? Yes. Good night. Yes. Good night. Uh, the last good time night. the last time we spoke, we were talking about Christmas and it was a, a time of festivities. And it was a happier time tonight. We are here to discuss something of grave, grave importance that needs our urgent attention. So being on the ground in Dominica, being the leader of the church, and um, being involved, being a youth leader, as I know you to be, tell us uh, what is happening in Dominica in terms of, well, we know the reaction, but, but is there, has there been moves to try to find paths? Towards the healing, towards towards uh, uh, addressing uh, uh, a permanent, not permanent, but something more robust, um, fixed this problem that we're having. Yeah, well, well, I'm glad that you you uh, invited me to 
to the program to speak on the subject, and I'm very happy that um, we can speak on the subject in the company of the expert, uh, Dr. Seja. You know, I have had some discussions as far as the, the whole question of crime and criminology is concerned in Dominica. With regard to this recent episode, though, I, I have a, a perspective that is probably slightly tied with, with Dr. Sanchez, and that is uh, we have a history of this, but what I have sensed that is occurring is a preponderance now from a, a power perspective in terms of uh, economic power and everything like this uh, of, the, of, the, of the perpetrator. What 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 I, I mentioned my program some time ago is that we have seen some of that happening and many of us have have been silent. We've known it. We've seen it reported in the schools. As a counselor, I've had countless, numerous uh, counselees in that regard, and and try our best to see how we can help the victims in that regard. Today, the voice is louder, and the voice is louder because of the the, the sequence in, in in terms of how these recent ones happened and who were involved in it. What I see, though, and to answer your question directly, is that there is an anger about it. There is a disgust about it, which, quite frankly, I applaud. However. The will to do something about it, I still don't quite frankly see from where I, from where I am. I believe that, that there needs to be a holistic look at this thing, not just uh, trying to settle an isolated case, but I think it's a social problem that needs to be dealt with from every aspect, from, from all sides for us to in fact come up to any any kind of sustainable uh, uh, support, if you like, for the victim and reduction in the incident. So so when I listen to you and I listen to what Dr. Senjan just gave and the and the frightening stats that he just um, laid out in front of us, this is a tremendous a, mm-hmm. a tremendous um, problem. Uh, it's one of those problems where you yeah. walk around it and you look at it and you walk around it and you look at it and you're not sure where to grab it. And, 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 yeah. and, and, and if you want to wrestle it to the ground and take control of it, you want, you, you kind of hesitate and you're not sure which, where to jump on it. But um, from, from, from your work, how I'm going to jump right into, because I'm, I'm about solutions a little bit, um, how would we? How can we go forward? What What are some of the possible paths that we can that we can start going? Take start taking the first step on. They say journey of a thousand miles begins with once the first step. So in your mind, what what would be that first step that we as as a nation should take? There are a few things I could I could speak of right off the bat. One. Is that there must be a new a new ethos, a new uh, direction in terms of educating people and their mindset uh, with regard to their values and the 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 economic fortunes or misfortunes. Um, one of the one of the uh, certainly one of the things that's happening now as the the attraction, if you like, 
for that kind of behavior is the desire for for stuff for material stuff desire for for money desire for some some economic reprieve um and that comes out of a from some quarters a deliberate effort to keep people depressed so that there is a a continual leaning on individuals for that um sadly sometimes you speak to to adult women women who are now adults who have now grown in this and they still think they still feel the same way there is no gratification in the actual uh, sexual emotion but right now they just feel compelled that they need to do that and it's coming from that that place so so towards the solution i would say we need to have an aggressive education of people in terms of a new a new value system a new understanding of what is my value and what does $500 mean to me now and in 12 months in 5 years we need to do that secondly we have to look at the the whole picture in terms of how people approach uh, each other a lot of the, the sexual abuse is happening is happening within families um uh, whether some is happening outside of families in terms of people who hold certain offices for jobs and so on a lot of it is happening within families and when you look at that which is happening within families it now has to do with a certain morality yes but also has to do with the ability of the individuals to independently take care of these children i have seen in the counseling room where mothers have said to me so i didn't have a choice i had to let her go with him because he is the person who's supporting me in the house and she knows that he is having sex with this young child but that's her source of income so that young 13 14 year old becomes the bank of the family and and those issues are are, are extremely serious i know young girls who go to school and some 40 something year old man is paying that school fee is taking care of that girl and that girl goes back home to that 40 something year old man before she goes to her parents so do that thing that we have to tackle all right dr sejan the the some similar type question from 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 your training as a sociologist and and the suggestion that you make that that this is something that is rooted in our culture how do we how do we approach it how do we turn that that major vessel around to to sail towards towards a better destination you know a, a more desirable um place for our young people because by by all means uh, 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 the, a country should be able to provide an environment for the for young people to to live an enjoyable life Yes, absolutely. Well, there are different. Well, first of all, I believe that there needs to be a, a serious and an important, well-documented scientific empirical investigation into the matters that are idiosyncratic or specific to Dominica, because it is um, uh, Pastor Rodney knows what he knows behind as a counselor. There are other counselors that know 
um, and other spiritual advisors and the people that know what's going on on the ground, persons like Gloria Walsh for Love One to Teach One Foundation. I work with her, and, and during the time that we work with the young people over the last close to five years, we've been doing this stuff together. The kinds of stories that we get from the different communities, you know, my own community of Trafalgar, you know, there's just way too much incest, there's too much accusation of, uh, and, and some persons actually, uh, there are real situations where persons underage, you know, have been in, engaged in, uh, in sexual activities at times when they, they should not, when they should not be. So there, there are, there are two, so, so there are, number one, it's important, it's important to have some sort of scientific or objective inquiry into this from which um, recommendations can be developed um, more systematically. And in that process, there should also be a review of the literature of other studies that have been done, because there are the, there are the studies that have been done, and probably there are reports that have been written um, and have been published in places so we can get a better understanding of this on, the, on, on that level. Uh, beyond that, I, I agree with Pastor Rodney that there is a need to some sort of, well, there are two kind of, two types of shifts, two, two types of paradigm shifts that I'm, I'm really asking for. One is, is on the level of justice reform, and the other is really on the level of, of, of cultural reform. You know, uh, yeah, so, so let me just talk on the issue of, of justice reform. Right now we have somewhat of a retributive justice system. It's a system that, that focuses on what law was broken, it's a system that focuses on, on uh, what types of, of um, penalties are most appropriate to dispense to persons who broke those, the law, that people have their due process and people have their rights, and it is really about the burden of proof is on the prosecution. So if the people who commit the crimes can basically either hide the evidence or they have lawyers that are good enough to be able to find them innocent of the crimes that they have been accused of committing, then they can practically walk away. Now, there are certain instances when there might be someone who might be, who may have borrowed money from someone and didn't pay them back. There could have been a fight on the street, or there could have been some things that that persons would want to plead guilt, uh, not guilty for, even if they knew that they, they committed those, those, those crimes. But when we, when we talk about uh, more sensitive issues, such as, as um, straight-up rape, or we may talk about instances such as the accused um, misappropriation or, or, or misgivings and the inappropriate interactions with young persons, crimes of intimate kinds of crimes like, like, um, like uh, as we call it, carnal knowledge, or having sex with a person underage, or having inappropriate relationships with persons that are underage, those things are so complicated that oftentimes we need to, instead of just focusing on what the law can do to the offender, we need to have more of a restorative justice approach that focuses on the offender, that well, that focuses on the harm. So the main focus should be not so much about whether or not this person did the wrong and how it is that we need to punish them and punish other people like them and to bring the law down hard on them. Of course, we need to punish offenders, but the first the most important focus for those kinds of sensitive issues is on what type of harm that is done to the victim, what type of harm that is done to the community. Because we listen now and we hear the community in Dominica is, 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 is very much harmed. I won't say not as much as the, as the, as the alleged victims, but the, the community is harmed because there are some people that actually do not even want to talk about what happened because they're so embarrassed because some of the people that are accused of that, they've held in such high esteem that they're even embarrassed to talk about this. And the persons themselves who 
are accused of, if they were to be guilty, sometimes persons guilty of those types of crimes are so ashamed that they never repair the harm that was done to them or they have done to others. And in fact, sometimes with those sexual crimes that involve persons on the age, a lot of the time the offenders themselves are victims of perpetration of the past. So that means there's a cycle of harm that continues, or whether they, this, it happened to them directly or it happened vicariously, or it's happening around them and it, it feels that it is a normal thing to do. Sometimes they are victims of kinds of circumstances that push or pull them to behave that type of way. And they will need to submit themselves to some sort of uh, psychological, social, and other types of repair or, or behavioral modification. And sometimes that behavioral modification is not best gained by a system that is trying to catch them, you know, just to catch them right and guilty because sometimes there is important healing that needs to be done between the offender, the accused, the accused and the supposed uh, victim, uh, and sometimes straight up the, the accused and the victim. So we have to, in a small community like ours, if we just have to just people do crime and, and they could either get away if they have good money or if they have good representation, or we just lock them up if they do not have good money or good representation, what happens is that the offenders themselves do not become rehabilitated properly so that they can become part of society again or a more, or, or, or more um, honorable parts of society. And the victims themselves are not able to receive the necessary type of closure to allow them to move forward. I hear some of the women call the radio station and say about 15, 20, 30 years ago that they were victims of, of sexual inappropriate action that they couldn't speak about. And some of those women, as Pastor Rodney said, they're almost walking zombies. They are not able to have intimate relationships very well. They, are, they have a lot, of, they are a lot of problems. So I think that we need to think forward. Just like 20 years ago when I was in Grand Bay and we recommended community policing as the approach forward for Dominica, I am calling today, 20 years after we did the work in Grand Bay, that we start to focus on a more restorative justice approach so that we can heal the community, we can heal the offenders, and we can certainly heal the victims when certain kinds of wrong happens. But the offender has to be held accountable for the wrong that her or he did, but that has to happen in context of healing in general. So, and I would, the so second thing I'll just say lightly, I won't go much in depth, but the second thing is, is oh, about the cultural change that I'm talking about. We can talk about this kind of cultural change, which is really about what is it that makes people so silent when their young persons are being abused and the kinds of things that Pastor Rodney and I know about where people are under economic strain and they, they experience economic violence and other types of violence that they feel that they're not able to speak about and where they're, as he said, that some of the young children bodies are used as banks for their families. There is something I need to talk about, about the cultural shift to move away from that. But I just wanted to lay out this sort of criminal justice or judicial reform or justice reform, as I just recommended. Okay, so before, before we get into the cultural part, I, I, want, to, I want to dive a little deeper into the, the, the um, restorative justice. Um, let's do a, give us a concrete example. That case that's in front of us, we don't, we don't have to call names, the case in front of us where, let's say we have... Um, Adult men who who have sexual relations with with, with, a, with an underage girl, um, they are in in positions of relative prominence. Um, in 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 a restorative justice model, how would we how, how would we apply how would we apply to to begin? I know I know it's more it's detail is complex, but how would we begin if we, if we were to try to adopt that type of um, restorative um, justice system? 
Yeah, well, the way we would begin is, first of all, to remind the offender, the accused, to, to remind the victim uh, and to remind the community that our primary focus is to try to cause healing, to try to heal the victim or the alleged victim who even now, if, if, the, if the young person has to go to school, if the young person is going to grow, the person may, there are people could be suicidal as a result of this because, you know, the, the, there's a reason why we protect young people from not ha being able to engage in sexual activities of, until a certain age because there's something in science we call feeble-mindedness. Their minds are still developing, so they think they're making the right decisions, but they're not ready yet to make that. And sometimes the victims blame themselves for what happened, that they say, well, if I didn't show somebody this, if I didn't say something, if I didn't dress this way, if I didn't do this way, the victim sometimes blame herself or himself for what is done. So it's very important to have a framework, first of all, that says that our issue here is not to try to blame you for what might happen to the person you accused of doing something to you, um, although the person has to pay. And the issue towards the, the person who is accused it's not so much that we we just want to catch you right you um, catch you right and dirty so we can destroy your life and 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 put you away. No, we want you to be able to rightfully be able to speak to us about what truthfully happened. The truth is very important because what happens in an adversary court if a young person is put forth or a victim is put forth before an accused and then the accused is not telling the truth and the accused may even make up stories that further victimizes the victim. So it is important to set a platform where persons are saying that we want the truth and we are focusing on harm. We are focusing, one has to pay for what one wanted, but we are focusing on repairing the situation. So instead of the, the accused focusing more on, well, how do I hide this? How do I um, um, isolate myself? How do I, um, you know, run away? How do I do whatever that we create a platform where we're saying, how do you, it seems that you did something wrong and this thing that you did wrong was so bad that you actually need to heal. And the part of the healing is your admittance to the things that you um, may have really done wrong, but of course you should not incriminate yourself into things that you didn't do wrong, but we are interested in helping you heal to become a part of society. And for the community itself, for the community is hurting because there are other people that are, that are sitting on the edge of their seats that are wondering, my gosh, is my name going to call next? And not every time a young, a young a person is accused of, of an offense that a person actually is guilty of an offense. I, I had, we had a situation, Gloria Walsh and I had a situation in the summer where a young person in our, in our group had accused an adult of inappropriate sexual relations. And what we did uh, firsthand is to do a preliminary investigation, and we found out that it was unfounded. And if we had just gone about and, uh, and, and, and had this man's name out there, I mean, God knows what would have happened to his career. God knows what, what happened to the child um, uh, in the process and what would happen in the community. So the, the way we would begin, we will begin by saying we're taking a new approach to this because the way we address this, we want to fix, we want other people, other young people to know that it's okay to come forward and talk about what, what, what happened to you, that you're not to blame for it, that we are going to try to figure out a way to heal you, but we're also concerned about the offender as a member of society that's going to pay for what he did, but we're going to allow him the space to get healing. So, uh, there goes. Pastor Rodney, I want you to jump in here. And um, as we talk about um, healing and, and letting people recognize the harm that they do, and the, the the fact that there are people, there seem to be a recurring um, 
set of activities. What do you, my, my concern, one of my concerns is that whenever things like that happen, we seem to circle the wagon and think we have to protect our women and our girls. But what about the young men who are going, who are growing up to be the men who may do similar acts when they are grown? How do we, how do we approach um, our, our, our young males while they are still young enough to see if we can bend them in a different direction? How, how, what, what do you see in that regard as, as, you, as you work with families and as you work with the community? I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, Anthony, and I'm coming uh, on the heels of what Dr. Senator shared, which I think is, is extremely important for us to look at in, 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 in the context of, of healing the society, the whole redemptive aspect of what we need to do. Uh, it, 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 must, it must, like I said initially, be holistic. In the first place, we have to begin to or, or continue to teach these young men rightly um, and teach them language rightly. Uh, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. And sometimes some of the things that we keep repeating in our mouths become the thing that we practice. So that the, the language, for example, our young men uh, had adopted quite a number of years ago is a language that, that, that treated or called or made the, the, the young woman property uh, chapel, I think I take that thing there, I go into that thing, that sort of thing. And we have to begin to, to train them from what we think or what we, we somehow have allowed to slide as negligible. These are the negligible things that grow into the big trees now that we have to deal with. So we have to begin first to, to, to get the men to come to the place where they appreciate that a woman is just as important as you are, is, is equal to you are, and, and whatever language you want to use to her, if it doesn't fit you, then you must not use it to her. Further, these opp those opportunities that we have, what we've done in the past is we have, we have kind of knee-jerked uh, when they happen to us. So we have shouted for a few weeks, and then we go quiet, and then the, the, the perpetrators continue, the, 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 the criminal activity continues, and we see nothing until something blows up again and we need you again. What we need to do is approach this thing from a, a, a point of view where we want to, to, to begin to educate people, to change the culture up front. So that when this thing happens to them, and, and I'm, I'm following up from one of the things that, that, that Dr. Senator said. Some of the perpetrators were themselves victims. When this thing happens to them, we are able now to redeem them so that we break the cycle. It's important for us to break the cycle. Most of the people, if you speak to them, you will come to realize that they had some sort of abuse in their lives. And many of them who get involved in sexual abuse themselves with sexual abuse, never spoke about it, kept hiding it, kept leaving it, and now they're acting it. And, and, and so our society needs to be less judgmental and more loving, more concerned about both 
when those things happen, two families suffer. The family is the perpetrator, the families are the victims. When those things happen, the perpetrator themselves, for the large part, they themselves suffer. When you pull them in the counseling room, you realize that some of these young men, some of these men are hurting men. And they have used power and money and material to masquerade the hurt that they have. And we have to be able as society to now pull these, identify these, and begin to break the cycle in Africa. How can we? There's redemption. And, and we have to be able to pull them up and, 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 and show them the proper path that they need to go if we want to heal the society. Okay, so we seem to have a caller on the line. The caller, and can you turn on your radio and if you want to join the next question, please go ahead. Okay, so the caller hung up. Um, Dr. Serge, I'm going to come back to you. And um, I, I wanted you to, to go a little bit into the... Um, into the cultural reform part of, of the solution that you, that you see that we have to, have to go forward. Yes, um, well, Anthony, much of the times we see sexual abuse or even other forms of violence, violence is an issue that is most relevant to power and control. Um, rape is not so much a, a, a crime of sex as much as it is a crime of power and domination. Uh, when we, and whether we're talking about statutory rape, which is really whether, because the person under it just don't have consent. So if they have sex with someone, it's, it's rape because they don't have the capacity to give consent to the other. But any act of, of violence, including the kinds of accusations that we've heard about, and even if they are what we call cyber sex, which people might exchange communication that are arousing through the internet, all of those, all of those forms of violence, most of them are, are issues again of power and control. That is to say that someone who holds power that is higher than the power held by another one, and as a manifestation of their power, they can violate or have access to or use of a person's body, a young man or a young woman. So the, the idea, I mean, sometimes I have I've heard young persons, um, in fact, young persons in my program and Ms. Walsh's program have said about walking by the fire station and the police station and policemen and firemen whistling at those young girls that are clearly not yet even 15 years old. And these are things that the young girls are telling me themselves. I mean, I have heard myself, young men, grown men, say things, telling the young girls how they look, and not just giving them a compliment that they, you know, they look beautiful, their hair looks, looks, looks tidy, their clothes tidy, and they like what they're keeping them, how they're keeping themselves, but rather are talking about the shapes of their body, uh, making references to different body parts, and saying what they would like to do to them. Those things have happened in my own presence, and sometimes... Uh, and most of the times, and not all of the times, I have said something back, you know, to the adult that is not, that, that's certainly not appropriate to talk that way to a child. We have the sexualization of, of young bodies uh, uh, in, in ways that, that seem to be acceptable as the way that we, we, conduct, we conduct ourselves. 
And when this, and sometimes it is seen that when the the, the violence happens, that it, that it is that it is something that is pr- private business. Culturally, we do not see it oftentimes as 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 a domestic violence or or, or sex uh, uh, se- things that are sexual. Oftentimes, are seem to be reserved as issues for, for either the bedroom or someone's private business, and people don't want to get involved into this. I think that since the community gets hurt so much by those types of alleged inappropriate behavior, it is important that we are able to, that the public is able to show its injury as well and, 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 and have a cultural shift where these things are put out more to the fore. Uh, another part of it is that sometimes uh, culturally the victim is often shamed, but it seems that the alleged or the offender seems to carry no shame. And it is very important that we have some aspect of shaming that makes people know that you're not welcome, that yes, there's some redemption, and there's yes, you can kind of cool your head down and you could probably get reintegrated, but you can't just do what you did and, you know, as, uh, as Miss Walsh sometimes says, to wash your feet and just come in and, and like it's okay. That we have to have a conspicuous aspect of shaming that when we go out there and we see these young men driving those young girls to school and it's not like they're driving them to school because they are their uncle or their cousin, but we may actually know what is really going on. Um, sometimes we may give them a cut eyes and that might be it. But sometimes we can do more than that to really put people to shame or let people realize that this is not something I condone. Sometimes people are bringing people with those misbehaviors inside of their homes and harboring those type of behavior. So that behavior. So that is the kind of cultural shift that, that I'm talking about. Even the videos and the the music and the songs and the kinds of things that we do that glamorize the sexualization of bodies of, of young girls and bodies of young men. Because the thing about it is that a lot of those people who become those perpetrators, as I said, the victim that the victim the victimization that they go to culturally, we try to treat them, sometimes we treat them as if they're the ones to blame or that is not something you should talk about, something you should be shamed about. And that is what I'm talking about, this level of having a cultural shift that makes something that appears so private be more public, to add that element of shame to it, so we would question more about um, those types of behaviors, especially as they relate to uh, to young persons. So, um, listeners, uh, you're listening to This Week in Interview. I, I'm your host, Anthony Drago. Our guest tonight is Dr. Peter Sejan and Pastor Randy, Randy um, Rodney. Uh, Dr. Sejan is a, a currently a teaching uh, a juvenile justice class at, at Northern, North Park, Northern Park um, University in Chicago. And he is actually in class with a group of uh, 15 young, um, young students who uh, aspire to be in the juvenile justice system as, as law enforcement, as lawyers, as future judges, as, as persons in the community. So, um, Dr. Seja, I, I, I'm not sure if um, any of your students want to contribute to the discussion. If they do, um, we're quite well happy if um, you, you, could pass, you could let them um, have the mic and so, so they can make a, a contribution. Yes, well, I, I don't know if, um, I will see if um, the students are in, in the room listening to the interview and I will I will put myself on mute and I will go in there and ask if any of them um, have any questions 
and then if they do, then we can take them in a couple minutes. Okay, certainly. Okay. certainly. While you're doing that, let's go back to, um, to Pastor Rodney. Uh, Pastor Rodney, uh, how... I'm, I'm not even sure how how we go how we are going to deal with, with, with the situation where we have so many of our young people and and then listening to the discussion tonight, we we we're we understanding that this is something that seems to be ingrained. A lot of it is within within families. A lot of it is with the knowledge of the of the parents. The 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 environment that breeds such 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 behavior and and such um, rampant behavior i'm sure has to do with economics as well i know we spoke about about the value system and and, and being able to value you know both both men being able to value young people for what they for the what they are and young people being able to value themselves to not um subject themselves to, to resist I'm finding themselves in, in this situation a little more, a, a little better, to better equip them. In terms of the economics um, that young people are facing, that may be driving them to it, how, how do you see that, that aspect of the whole situation? Pastor Ernie, are you there? We seem to have lost um, both, both our guests. So uh, let's, let's take... Uh, a musical break. Uh, let's play a music from um, Tasha P. I know we, we started with that, but let's play it again. And um, and we'll be right back as we try to reestablish contact with, um, with, with our guests. Listeners, um, welcome back. You're listening to this week in interview. We've re-established contact with Dr. Dr. Peter Sejan in um, Chicago, Chicago, and um, we're discussing the issue of child abuse and and, and violence against against young people. Dr. Sejan, before you were saying that um, your students had some questions that they would like to ask. Yes, uh, two or two of us, uh, two, of the, two of the students um, were asking about the um, the age of consent. They were concerned, or they were kind of a little bit alarmed that the age of consent, uh, sexual consent, is 16 in, in Dominica. Um, and um, they were, although they are in America, and some of them live outside of the United States, they have students from Europe students from South America um, and other places, uh, some more students in my class, they are aware that inappropriate um, sexual behaviors occur in, in societies, but it seems to them that, uh, especially the statistic that indicates that it is so prominent in the Caribbean region, they're asking, well, are, these, are their parents allowing them to have sex at such a young age? And and they were asking about how the people feel. Well, welcome back, um, Pastor Rodney. Go ahead. 
they were asking how do people really feel about um, children at 16 years old being able to legally have sex, you know, so that's kind of the question that they had, and and with, with Pastor Rodney being on the ground, maybe he could have, he could answer, uh, a, a, answer that um, as a person that's on the ground as to how does the people, how the people in the population respond to the age of 16 as an age of sexual consent. Does there seem to be a consensus that that is, that that is, that that is not too low or it, are the actions to make a change in that regard? So that's what the question the students had. But are you uh, go ahead um, if you yes, I'm have a question. Go ahead. The students were asking yes, about the age I'm of consent. Go ahead. Yeah. In, in fact, uh, there was a petition signed by uh, a lady activist, Mrs. Delia Coffee Weeks, uh, that was submitted to the Prime Minister way back in 2013. But it's interesting, very interesting that I sent that petition myself, and I was one of those who tried to garner signatures for it to raise the age of consent from 16 to 18. Uh, as it would, it, it, the, the whole process uh, uh, the, um, the Minister of Justice, two years later, said he had not seen the petition that was supposed to have been, supposed to have gone to cabinet. Now that's to show you the kind of, of importance that is placed on something like that. To date, nothing has come out of this. But the population generally felt that the age of consent should be increased from 16 to 18. The minister said he didn't see any, any, any need for that, and it just died there. But if I push back a little bit, if but, we're having such an issue with the age of consent being 16, um, increasing it to 18, um, that wouldn't necessarily solve the problem. Wouldn't it just expand the expand the the range of activity that that becomes now um, illegal? It, it probably would solve the problem. What it will do is is if enforcement decide to enforce it, whilst the Initially, the statistic might go up. It will put the fear of God in some people as far as that is concerned. It will also give uh, some sort of leverage to the young women. The realities are, and, and, and we have to, to, to be real about it, the realities are that a 16-year-old girl today is not the same body as a 16-year-old girl of 25, 30 years ago. Those are the realities. The fact is, though, where, whilst immediately there will not be a, a reduction in the incidences of, of abuse of children, what I believe it will do is that it will say to these, to these men, you now need to be more careful with whom you will send your racing text to or whom you figure you can have a relationship with. Because the age is now 18. That 18-year-old girl, you need to give her some more respect. And I, and I think that can help uh, uh, in the whole curbing of the situation. Mm -hmm. Dr. Dr. Sejan, are you familiar Dr. with Dr. any Dr. statistics where, um, is there, uh, I would say, is there some correlation with the age of consent 
as uh, maybe the the average age of kids who abuse what age they abuse or the prevalence does moving it to 18 sort of um establish without a doubt that a 16 year old is a child and therefore it doesn't have the ability to to consent to sex and so that moves that moves it even further away from the younger ages of 14 and, and 13 that we seem to be having issues with right now but do you what what what, what is your experience in that regard well well there are I, I don't know any of any studies right off the top of my head that I can cite that that investigated directly into the the age of consent, the relationship between the age of consent and problems in life or something down the road. What I do know is that in developmental theory, it tells us that the in the life course that human beings develop in different stages at different times. And there is a reason why, like this is in the United States, the uh, through neoclassical theory, we do not tell, say that we do not say we arrest uh, a, a young person, they're taken into custody. They do not, they do not go for a trial. They're they're, they're adjudicated. Uh, we there's different language. We do not we do not lock them up. We we hold them to take them in the custody, right? They, go, they don't go to prison. They go to detention center. There, uh, there is a, there is a, a, a there is a, a move to avoid labeling of young persons because the development stage that they are in, they are still fragile in their development, and even the decisions that they make, we, we, we have a different court system to treat them as persons who make mistakes as they are learning more about life, as they are maturing. And uh, so, uh, I think the decision-making process, and even and there are studies that have shown that even with offenders, that uh, uh, whether whether they are involved in sexual offender in offenses or whether they're involved in theft or violence, that as they mature closer to the age of 19 or 20 or 21, the understanding of the action, the understanding of the ramifications of the actions mature with the age. So that is why even like the age of 20, the age of 18 is oftentimes used as an age, age of voting because uh, it is expected that a person of that age has arrived to some of the, so at some of the stage that we have seen scientifically that allow people to make relative sound judgments that they were not apt to make at the age of 16 or 17. And of course, the age of 21 is the age in the United States that's the illegal age for drinking. In Canada, it's a younger age. But the idea is, unless someone is at the age of 21, the maturity and the experience in life does not give them the type of mastery over making the kinds of decisions that warrant being able to handle drinking in a responsible way. So, um, so if, while there are not studies or that I can cite immediately that refers to whether or not, um, you know, uh, uh, age 16 is an appropriate age. Well, I, I will tell you this, though. My, my, wife, my wife is a physician, and I don't talk to her outside of issues of confidentiality regarding her clients. 
Um, um, but 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 I and even the things that I do in the community, we find that young women and it'd be interesting to look. For example, well, I I know that um, miscarriages because she she talks about um, older people and younger people, even at the ages of sixteen and at fifteen and at fourteen, the risk of pregnancy, the risk of miscarriages, and not just miscarriages, but the death of the child or the death of the parent, the complication of pregnancy, because the person's body is still developing that oftentimes if women are pregnant too early, that has detrimental effects to their body, the kinds of shocks that they go through, and even the postpartum um, depression that they will go through and so on because of the small, uh, young age. So it's just like having a, you know, as we say, having a mango that matite, as we say in, 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 in Dominican language. If you pick the mango too early and it's not yet mature, it, will, it might change the color and look like it's ripe, but it's going to be sour on the inside. It's not going, you have to allow it to mature and then you can pick it and then after you can, you can that, that mango or that, or that sour soup or whatever might be able to have good value over time. But if it is tampered with too early, then it will not develop. And I think metaphorically that same, uh, that same thing is, is what we see undoubtedly with, with young persons, uh, the ability for them to grow and develop. Sometimes even in 20s, early 20s and 30s, people are still trying to figure out their bodies, still trying to figure some things out. And sometimes not until the 40s that they really try to get a good hand of it. So, so at early age of 15 uh, and 16 years old, that's, they should be focusing on going to school and being good people, you know, uh, and, and living lives uh, free of this type of, 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 uh, of, of violence or, or, I mean, as people say, you know, um, you know, my friend um, and my colleague um, Gloria Walsh says it so eloquently. She said it does defossay in the super children. I mean, there's not an English way to put it, but damaging the bodies of those young people. You know, it's important that we know the bodies and the mind develop at early stages, and we need to give them time to grow. As, as I thought, who was the, the, the lady Calypso in there said that, let the children be children? Was that Dasha P? Dasha P, yes. I don't mean Yeah, let the children be children, right? Yes. So, so the conclusion to conclude our discussions tonight, um, Pastor Rodney and, and Doctor Saint Jean, it seems that we we have we have a tremendous mountain to climb, but it, it is something that we have to approach with urgency and with vigor. We we have to look at the cultural practices that that seems to encourage. The, the abuse of kids. We have to look at our legal system. We have to look at our society and how our society deals with both the victims and the perpetrators. And so, and so, as we as we as we draw the discussion to a close, uh, Pastor Rodney, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna ask you to to give your your closing your closing remarks, your your thoughts. Um, what what do we see that gives us hope that if we were to apply our mind to this problem, that we could that is actually we actually solve it and and solve it in a way that's going to that's going to be lasting, where Dominica can become a haven for for kids who grow up in a happy in a happy and and, and safe manner. Well, well, I can say that. Uh... Uh, this issue is receiving a lot of attention from all quarters. And what I'm believing is that for those of us who understand that it must not be a, 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 a schizophrenic a, a response, 
uh, or like we say in Dominica, too short to flam kind of response. Uh, we need to be at this so that we can begin to get all the support from all quarters come together and come to bear on the society so that we look at it from preventative, from restorative, from redemptive. We look at it from all these areas and, and I have confidence that uh, at least with some of the people I've been speaking with and I'm glad to, to, to hear Dr. Sanchez's perspective on it is always uh, refreshing that if we put all of that together, we will be able to sound the alarm. We need, however, to, to be very loud in our de declaration that the people who sit in, in, in uh, positions of power, uh, we, we need to, in a very special way, remind them that they hold those positions in trust on behalf of the society. And be it managers or, or politicians or whatever they are, we have given them that position in trust, and they need to earn that trust by protecting us and protecting our children. All right. Uh, well said, Doctor uh, Sejan. How do we how do we approach um, changing the criminal justice system or approach to criminal um, justice to something that's more restorative? Um, instead of instead of as you say just looking to punish and see who can who can buy the best defense we got away and who cannot uh, mile away we will pay for it. Yes, well, um, before I answer that, um, let me. Um, I thought one of the students had a, one of the students had question oh, there as more to questions as okay. to whether there's there's a lot of awareness whether there is a lot of awareness about the similar like you tried the public service against HIV if there is kind of public awareness and campaigns in Dominica against uh, this issue of uh, the issues that we are talking about and what type of programs exist. And then I inform them that you know, we have the child welfare department and we have the departments of government that are similar to governments in other areas. Um, and you know, even as we are talking about this now, there are people who are very vocal, the NGO coalition. I know uh, when I was, um, um, whenever I'm in Dominica doing work with Gloria Walsh, and I know um, they are called Coffee Wicks and others are very vocal about that. But when I'm with Ms. Walsh and her colleagues, you know, they always are talking about those issues during the summers or different events that go on. So I have to inform them that, yes, that happens. And we have to go, we have to climb this uphill battle. So to answer, to answer the, the, the question, first of all, I believe, you know, because, you know, Anthony, I don't like to just talk. And I try to limit my media appearances because I prefer to have action and just talk. But I hope that I can, I can enlist my colleagues. Pastor Rodney, um, you know, we've been talking about collaborations for so long, Pastor Rodney, maybe this is the time that we can really uh, um, spearhead a collaboration, you, are, you and me and others, I know Gloria Walsh is on board with us, and there are other people, I know we're like, like folks like Tina Alexander, I know when I met her in Portsmouth, and other people, Dila Coffee Ricks, and other people who are on the forefront of these issues, I think the kinds of things that we have spoken about, that we need to uh, begin some sort of research process, we need to do some kind of feasibility study that looks at the probability of doing the kinds of multi-prong approach that Pastor Rodney spoke about and I spoke about, and I think we should really make a commitment now to do to do what we can to move this thing forward. I believe the process of moving from a more retributive or or, or 
for a more um, punitive uh, to more of a restorative approach for a small island is something that is going to take time. The same with community policing, you know, is now 20 years later, I heard the government just issued, just allotted, or is, is thinking of allotting $150,000 for community policing. And we asked in 2008 for a mere $50,000 to make community policing um, um, be what we were hoping it could be. And we were, said, we were told in 2008, 2009 that that was too much money. Uh, maybe two, maybe $150,000 is maybe not even enough money, but it's probably a good start if, if, it's, if it's used well. So so sometimes this, my point is that these things take time. So if what we have to do is begin now, because if we're talking about retro, um, retributive justice or restorative justice, it's not, going to, it's not going to just happen overnight. And I believe that right now we should commit ourselves to work with the other caring women and men on the ground. To make a difference and to put it out on a paper and um, you know and to really talk about it to have a debate. I heard my colleague, um, Honorable um, Blackmore, ask for a national dialogue about crime and violence in Dominica the other day. I'm willing to step up to the plate again. In 2003, we had the crime symposium. I have all of the footage of it. I think we should have some sort of national dialogue uh, on this issue of, uh, of of addressing our our justice system. And I'll be happy for us to um, talk about the different approaches that we have brought here today on the table. Uh, and let me add and say that um, this mic is available for 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 broadcast and for enlistment support. And um, this weekend interview on TDN Radio would be very very excited to be part of of, of that um, whatever coalition of minds that we can put together to move to, to get action to move to move us into the direction that we that we need to go. We would be quite willing. So, so, Dr. Senja, let me let me well, say thank you very much for for, for being here. Let, let, let me just ask you this. Go uh, ahead. Sorry, Anthony. Anthony. Go ahead. Is, um, I don't know if my colleague Pastor Rodney is kind of. Um, I'm presuming uh, uh, that we can do a collaboration. I would like to hear his response to my proposal, Pastor Rodney. Is he still there? Yes, I'm still there, and um, yes, you do have a positive response from me because. Um, I want to make sure that, that we can work together to get this thing uh, uh, better, to get it society. So, so yes, I'm on board with you on it, my friend. I am, I am okay, very happy okay, to hear that, and, and, and I would love to be part of, the, of, that, of, that, of that movement as well. Certainly. I, it's time that we do something and, and move it forward. Uh, in fact, I understand now there is some conversation with regard to legislation. Um, your perspective on, restor uh, on the restorative uh, justice aspect, I think that has never been mentioned, and I, and I believe I've been asking about it. That aspect, we need to see how we can get it roped into the legislation. All right, so certainly, uh, listeners, uh, if, you, if you hear the, uh, what, what is being proposed, your, you can send us your ideas. You can go to our Facebook page at TDN Radio, that, at TDN Radio or on This Week in Interview. Um, send us a message, send us a text. Uh, we can put you in touch with our guests or panelists if you would like to be part of that organization, of, of that movement um, that can start to make things happen on a more, on a more fundamental uh, level that's going to bring us lasting, lasting change. And so with that, I want to say thank you very much to Pastor Randy Rodney of, um, what is it, Faith is Truth and Grace Fellowship Global. Yeah. 
So, so we want to say, I want to say thank you very much for being with us this evening, and, and as usual, um, really appreciate your your insightful and contribution to the conversation. Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for having the conversation as well alongside with uh, my friend Dr. Sanjo. Very good night to you and your listeners. Yeah, good night, Doctor. Thank Pastor you, Doctor Sanjo, as well. I, I want to say we really appreciate you um, taking the time to be with us. And although although um, we didn't get direct questions, we did get direct questions because they they, they told you their questions and you asked it on their behalf. And we, we wish them all all the best in their in their juvenile um, justice career. Maybe who knows? They might be able to do some internship in Dominica and help us to um to do some of the research and, and to develop some of the systems that they need. So we wish them we wish them got speed in their in their studies. Thank you, Pastor. I'm Doctor. Thank you, thank you. And one of my students applied for the grant to accompany Dominic, in Dominica with summer. Hopefully, he can. Thanks again for the opportunity. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, there you had it. Another episode of this week in interview. Your host, Anthony Drago, we had a most interesting discussion with Dr. Peter Saint Jean. We had a little bit of technical issues with some feedback, but I, I trust that you were able to get the to understand to get the gist of the conversation. And as usual, always excited because with this speaking interview, we always always try to end with actual concrete action that can be taken to address whatever topic that we that we've been talking about. And tonight, we had a commitment from Dr. Sejan and an agreement. Uh, by Pastor Rodney, that they were going to collaborate and, and start uh, a, a, a group not, or, or some kind of, of a movement. And I encourage you listeners, those of you who are interested, those of you who um, have, have, have a passion, I, I encourage you to contact us at, at either on our Facebook page at This Week in Interview or my personal Facebook page, Anthony, Anthony Drago. Or TDN Radio, any one of them you send, you, you go there and you send a message, it's going to get to us. And if we need to, we will put you in touch with um, Pastor Rodney, who's in Dominica, and you can be part of, of the solution. Now that we've expressed our anger, we've expressed our disgust, and we've made it clear that this is intolerable, let us, let us start playing our part and uh, making sure that we... It, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, our statistics would be, would be very, very different. And then and our children will be genuinely growing up in an environment where they know that they're safe and they can grow into young people who are not scared, who are not carrying scars from, from, from their childhood. So I want to say good night. And um, thank you to our, our producer and engineer, Sam, our... Our sponsor for, for tonight's show was um, Calypso Drift. Stenberg Henry, the author of his book Calypso Drift, I encourage you to get a copy, calypsodrift.com. Go there and get a copy. Um, we also can, um, if you can, can get your copy from, from TDN Radio. Uh, if, you, if you send us a message, we can also get you a hard copy. It's a, it's a beautiful book. It's a, in hardcover, it would, it would sit really, really well on your, co on your coffee table uh, as a conversation piece, but also as, as, a, as a treasure trove of, of information about Calypso 
and how it's tied into our our Dominican culture. So so good night to our, our sponsor, Mr. Steinberg Henry, and uh, the author of his book Calypso Drift. Also, um, MP3MusicFactory.com. Go there and download your song. Support our artists. You can you can mix and match. You can create your playlist and and download your music. The artists get the the majority of the proceeds. Um, the vast, vast, vast majority of the of the proceeds go to the artists. So let's support our artists. Go to mp3musicfactory.com. As always, I encourage you to submit the names and topics that you would like to hear us discuss on this weekend interview. Because we do this for you. Uh, we do this to bring you the information. I have the, the distinct honor and privilege to have conversations with, with such enlightened souls and persons who have achieved so much. And I, I'm, I'm always, always delighted to share those conversations with you. So until next week, when we will we will do this all over again, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. in the Caribbean, I want to say good night. And this has been this week in interview with your host, Anthony Drago. I wish you all, all the best for this week. And um, have, have a great weekend. If you're in the New York area, enjoy the beautiful um, weather. This week, um, we celebrated women in the workplace. So to our fair members of the audience, uh, a happy week. And if, and if you didn't know, run out, get some flowers. I don't know, a big kiss, a hug, whatever. Um, cook dinner. But, but wish the lady in, ladies in your life. Um, uh, happy women's women's week. Next week, um, some people are on spring break. Have fun. Have have loads of fun, and um, and, and be safe. We love you. And um, with Samson, good night, Anthony Drago. Anthony Drago. Mm-hmm.